Welcome to Wisdom Talk Radio, a collaborative community of explorers in conscious living. have had experiences that are not only inexplicable, but really change the trajectory of our life in ways that we don't immediately understand and certainly can't predict the outcome. Sometimes those situations or experiences or events presage a change of a magnitude that would be, boy, unthinkable and certainly unmanageable if we knew what was ahead. What if that experience were a calling to a greater life? My guest today is here to not only share her experience of this, but I think, well, I'll say perhaps just, but only in parentheses, to invite you into a greater life. I'm Laurie Seymour, host of Wisdom Talk Radio and CEO and founder of the Baca Institute home of the Inner Guidance Mastery Blueprint. Head there to discover your quantum connection with your inner guidance by taking the quantum connection quiz. We are each designed to connect with source differently. And knowing your own style is the first step of aligning with your inner guidance. And what my guest today also talks about is the inner teacher, and as do I, at a deeper level than you ever thought you could. And it really is the, I could say, the secret or the answer to creating what you truly want in your life. My guest today is Don Kohler, who was an award-winning entrepreneur in the computer industry when she was abruptly summoned to take a life-altering course. What followed was an extraordinary healing journey that gave her profound insights and a deep understanding of the human dynamic and how it plays out at home, work, in, and in our communities. Combining these insights and her business experience, Dawn became a sought-after executive coach, helping leaders understand and enhance their impact of others on others and their contribution to the world. Dawn is the author of three books, including her recent memoir, The Messages, a prophetic journey she experienced 25 years ago and how it has become relevant today. Welcome, Dawn. I am really happy that you are joining us today here on Wisdom Talk Radio. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's um, it's just absolutely a delight. I love what you're doing in the world and your show. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So so where do we begin? Um well, you received such powerful messages in your journey. And so I, I want to talk, I would love for you to talk about, first about just a little, give people a little sense of the, hmm, what shall I say, the way in which your journey took you from where you thought you were and who you thought you were into such a different place. Right. 
Well, it was certainly um, profound in that it came on quite suddenly. I was the CEO running a computer company I had founded uh, with my husband right out of high school, or excuse me, right out of college. We had both graduated and um, we saw a niche in the industry and and was were able to raise some some money and, and started off as sort of the first geek squad, if you will. Uh-huh. And we grew that company uh, and we grew our family. So we were 10 years into the company had a a little bit over a hundred employees and three children under the age of five. Mm. And uh, then one day I, I drove up to work and I had been feeling a pervasive anxiety that was sort of telling me things were off anyway. But that day when I pulled up to work, I just, I couldn't get out of the car. Uh, It was, uh, it was as if my own spirit was taking me over and not letting my survival skills, if you will, the things that I thought I needed to do in life to run the show anymore. And that was the first day that I had experienced an inaudible message, meaning, and it didn't feel like I thought it, Mm -hmm. it just came to me as I was fighting to try to get into the building. It said, this is no longer your way. And, uh, at that point, after fighting a little bit longer, I then surrendered that I couldn't get out of the car. This was no longer my way. I went home. At that point, I sunk into a pretty profound depression. I had identified so heavily to my company and to my role, as many of us do, my role as obviously business owner and mother and all the roles that I was playing at the time. And uh, the, the depression has a way of taking those things away from you because I just wasn't able to be the person that I had created. Mm-hmm. I had gone to a therapist at the time. I told her the things that were happening to me. Uh, the messages continued. I would typically wake up into them and they would direct me. Uh, one of them did direct me to this particular therapist. I went to her uh, again, fully resisting this process. I told her what was happening to me. Uh, I told her I thought I was losing my mind that, you know, I was really getting pulled into something that from a primordial basis felt like it was a calling. I I was like, I'm supposed to do something. I don't know what, I don't know why me, Uh, this is not my orientation, but this is what it feels like. When you say this is what it feels like. Can you say a little more about that? Because I, I know that this is something that, that people do experience. And and so often they're, they're thrown, they're completely thrown. Mm-hmm. They're thrown and they think they're crazy. I right. don't know if you thought you were crazy. Oh, you absolutely think you're crazy because it's... It's not, it's coming from a source beyond our consciousness. Mm -hmm. And when the anxiety started, I even knew then that this was changing. I was fighting it. But what the feeling was, is it felt like every cell in my body had turned into little messengers that said, you're getting a calling. It wasn't even something I thought in my head as much as it was my whole body telling me it. And, you know, I went to my husband, I said, I know it's going to sound strange, but this is what it feels like. Uh, I didn't identify with any religion. I I don't now either. Uh, But it was, again, very primordial. When you're being called, you know it. Mm -hmm. It just hits you. And it's, um, I I guess I can best describe it. It's the strongest form of intuition. Mm -hmm. It was Mm -hmm. cellular. It was messaging all over my body. I love that you say that it was cellular because I, 
I, I, I know that experience and that sense of it, uh, how people talk about intuition is so not what this is. And it's so not what I think people think intuition is one thing that and not recognizing that that's still coming from the part of us that that has experienced something, even if we don't know it. Right. And this is something so much deeper. And it's it's from that intelligence of the cell. Exactly. I mean, I think people sometimes can um, confuse intuition with instinct. Mm-hmm. instinct is so well honed and it's it's feels like it's in your body because mm-hmm. it's something you know so well mm-hmm. intuition is really different it is beyond the thinking level it's and and oftentimes and in this journey things that i needed to do were not rational they didn't seem practical uh it was against conventional wisdom if you will mm-hmm. But nevertheless, it always led to me to exactly where I was supposed to be for that next portion of the healing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And for the next portion of what it is that you were here to do. Exactly. And that's what's interesting because the book itself, you know, there's when you receive these type of callings, there's what you're supposed to do is one thing. And then there's what you have to travel through to come back to the source of yourself to get there. And obviously the traveling um, through, I had to go through child abuse and obviously as a very young child, because that had taken me away from myself. When you think of abuse, any kind of abuse, particularly as a child, it's like a force takes you into the dark shadows of life. Mm -hmm. And what's in the dark, dark shadows is a lot of fear, a lot of worthlessness, a lot of shame. And it's hard to get out of those shadows because that's what happens. Abuse takes you there. And a lot of the journey is coming out of those shadows. It's coming back to the core of yourself, the untainted self, the self that is truly a loving energy that isn't tainted by all the things that you're tainted with when that happens. But to receive a calling, to actually have an encounter, a one-on-one with a divine source, you got to come out of those shadows and it leads you out. Mm-hmm. And I was very much led out, but you can't go out unless you go through. So, so much of what I had to experience to get out was through, through the shame, through the abandonment, um, through the sense of just inadequacy and unworthiness that happens mm-hmm. when you're abused young and you think it's because you deserved it mm-hmm. because that's how we preserve the sanctity of the, um, you know, the power figure, which in this case was my parents, in this case, my, my father mm-hmm. and trying to preserve them because you know that, that you need them to survive And in turn, you make yourself bad and them good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the path is figuring out who you are and not so much casting blame, but um, getting the accounting right, if you will. You know, (laughs) (laughs) this doesn't belong to me. This belongs to this person. Uh, And there was a lot of just this doesn't belong to me. This doesn't belong to me. This doesn't belong to me. Mm -hmm. And when you let go of all the things that don't belong to you, you start to you go into a time of, well, then who am I? Mm -hmm. And that begins to emerge. And the path very much led me there. 
one of the messages in the book was to write, to write the book. Mm-hmm. And that was something I had, I always wanted to be a writer as a young child, uh, but criticism from various different sources made me think I had zero talent for it. Mm-hmm. So I veered away and I thought, well, okay, next best thing would be business. So I went to that direction. And I know what you're talking about, um, the intensity of, of those shadows that we have to go through. It's not always something that's so easily identifiable or even that in retrospect can be named. It can be a lot of little, like they say, you know, um, death by a thousand cuts. Right. And it, and it can be just simply my parents didn't have it within themselves to support me being who I am. Right. Right. And and it's interesting because, you know, all of this does not exist in linear time. Mm-hmm. We bring it all forward. It's all here today with us. Right. And it's all presenting itself and being triggered in our everyday experiences. So it doesn't really make any difference if it happened to you 30 years ago, 40 years ago, whatever. If it's still active and it has not been processed or has not been put into a support of you, it's going to be still activated just like an open window would be on your computer. Mm-hmm. And it's one, draining you. Uh, and two, it's uh, oftentimes nudging us to act in ways that are not necessarily enlarging us or are turning us into more loving, open people, but instead protecting us mm-hmm. to be more fear-based, um, just more cynical, more a lot of more things that happened in the shadows when we're thinking from that place. Yeah. And so often I see when I'm teaching <clears throat> people how to connect more deeply with their inner guidance system. One of the things I see is, is that people have trouble trusting what comes to them, partly because they don't know, is it an old pattern? And I remember thinking this so, and, and, and going through this very questioning period of, is this real? Could this possibly be real? Especially something that was telling me something really positive about myself and what I was here for and what what I was to do next. And could I really receive that? Could I trust it? Or was it coming from an old pattern? And the doubt was as much of the old pattern than anything else. Exactly. It is hard. I've struggled with this as well. Uh, I even ask one of my favorite authors is James Hollis. He wrote uh, Meaning in the Second Half of Life. He's fantastic. And I saw him once and I asked him this, you know, how can you tell? How can you tell, hey, this feeling that I know I need to do this, is this truly intuition or is this some fear or is it an unmet childhood need? Because mm-hmm. unmet childhood needs, they're powerful and they can mimic intuition. And you can exactly. believe that this is absolutely the thing that you need to do. Mm-hmm. And it is difficult. The only way I've ever really been able to assess it is um, it, it, it never really hits you once unless, uh, you know, the fire breaks out and intuition of some, the person that's trying to protect you is just get out of the building. But most times if it's a big, big move, if it's a, you need to get out of this relationship, um, you know, you need to go get this medical uh, procedure. You need to, whatever you're going to feel it. You're going to know it. It will repeat itself over time. Mm-hmm. And you want to make space for it by things like Meditation is fantastic. You know, just quieting the mind. Because if you can quiet the mind for 10 or 15 minutes, some of these 
it, it, it clears up the channel for that deep, rich brilliance to come through. It's there. It's wants to, wants to direct all of us to Mm -hmm. our highest, best self, but there's so many things that we have that are blocking that right now. There's so much noise, so much noise and so much mental fragmentation from the way we operate and the way we multitask really hard to get anything pure through that. So we have to start to create, you know, a channel for it. And that can be meditation. Uh, I happen to like morning pages too, where if I've got a big issue I'm dealing with, I'm, I write the question first thing in the morning and then I write three pages, just keep your pen going three pages, mm-hmm. three pages. Mm-hmm. I'll do that for about two weeks and then I'll go back and highlight what's the repeat message. Mm-hmm. Cause you can often see that, you know, it's a softer voice. It is not fear-based. Right. It's, right. Often, it's loving. Yeah, it's very loving. Now, sometimes it does tell you something you don't want to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that ignites a lot of fear around it. And you're like, no, no, it can't be that. Uh, but it's always right. <laughs> That's what I have found in my life. It is It is right. But uh, more times than not, it's told me something that is difficult to do. Exactly. I remember when I I knew I needed to leave my husband and my and I had a young child and he had not been well and, you know, had just come through that. And yet when I found found myself saying this out loud mm-hmm. to him, it was right. a, it was an oh, my God, kind of moment. Yeah. But the truth of it was so clear in my body. So I often will suggest to people that they they do that kind of writing, that bringing it through, but then go back and read it, read it out loud and see how it feels in your body when you are relaxed, when you are just there as the witness to what you've written. And and the hard thing, and I think particularly for women, we can get our truth Mm. and we know what it is. And. Sometimes it goes against societal norms. Mm-hmm. Like you can't leave your husband with a child uh, because it feels like, oh, it will be deemed as selfish or other people will deem it as this way. And so we'll make choices based on perception mm-hmm. instead of our own truth. It's really, really hard yeah. to be able to live in your truth and make decisions from that truth, despite what the perception of that might be. And what people don't see and what we need to trust is the best thing for you is always going to be the best thing for the others around you. Always. Yeah. You know, it's going to be the best thing for the husband that you might have to leave or even the children that, again, that might not look great on the surface. Mm -hmm. But you don't know the trajectory because we don't you know it because we feel that trajectory. If I stay in this. And I had gone through a similar thing with a divorce. I saw the trajectory and I thought a divorced mother's better than a dead mother. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it wasn't that my husband was abusive, but, you know, I could have ended up with an illness that would have taken me down because I was so far off my truth. Exactly. Exactly. So we really have to think about not judging other people's decisions, but supporting their truth and be willing to live yours. And it's hard. I'll be the first to tell you, as you know, I've, I've, I've lost a lot of family because I lived my truth. Yeah. Yeah. And in my case, it was, I wasn't leaving my child, but everybody believed that our marriage was so great and it was on, on a surface level. And 
you know, I remember my daughter, she was still young when she said to me, you know, it was really good that you did that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my children really thrived afterwards Mm. uh, because they feel it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, there's a lot of judgment. You need this and <sighs> people and you have to be there. They don't know the tension in the household. And they also, you know, you need one really good parent <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah. And she, she had two. They just didn't want to be together. Exactly. It's just great. So you, you've also um, received such powerful messages. You just mentioned judgment about judgment and the impact that it has on us and really also on society. Um, and I, I, th- I don't know if this is something that I read or you said this to me in an earlier conversation that about the fact that we have such a short window to change the trajectory for humanity. Right. So ultimately, that's where this led me. From the from the beginning, which is okay, this is much bigger than me. I'm getting a calling. It's beyond me. I had to travel through my own childhood stuff to come back to that divine source. But when I did, uh, and it was a long journey, it was a three year journey. Mm-hmm. When I did, I was pulled up, meaning uh, pulled up in, in consciousness. I was elevated in consciousness over about a three day period of time. And during that time, uh, three nights, I was woken up and told to write. Mm -hmm. It was very clear the source of this was the ultimate divine source. It was very clear the power behind it and how I experienced it. You know, my head just felt like it was opening like a cervix Mm -hmm. and I was given the information. It was again, in that inaudible way, Mm -hmm. uh, but it said, right. And when I started to write nothing that came out is anything I would have said. Right. Uh, and then you, you were the conduit, you were the, and, yes. And it took me again, like that time period to clean me out, to get me to a place of, I think, internal purification so that I could be that. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, before I even tell you this, I'll copy that. I'm like, again, I was a businesswoman and a mother of three young children. So the whole time I'm like, why me? And I don't to this day, I don't know the answer to why me. I only know it did come through me. Uh, that first night was, it was a positive. I mean, all three of the nights were positive in tone, although it was very, uh, fearful, trying fearful as I experienced it because it was so beyond me. But the first night really was an announcement, if you will, an announcement that the beginning of our evolution of consciousness from a humanitarian standpoint has begun. Mm-hmm. It has begun. And we since that, we now know that uh, certainly since I received these 25 years ago, we can tell we are on the precipice of something. And our psyches, as we look around the globe, are reacting in one way or another, either resisting it or opening up to it. So that has indeed begun. The second night uh, was uh, reassuring. And it said, you know, we will all transform. Every single one of us will and that we will receive what we need to make this transformation. Mm -hmm. And I can certainly attest to that because I received everything I needed on this path in in such, you know, divine, if you will, coincidences. I mean, I was in the right place at the right time, the right people presented me, and it really took me through this. And and if anything, the book is a testament to that. Mm -hmm. Uh, There were things that I couldn't possibly have seen or had the intelligence to know that came to me 
through various different vehicles, the internal messages or somebody on the path that just led it right, right through towards the end. Mm-hmm. So the second night was very much, we will receive what we need. It was also a warning and that there would be somebody that would come into leadership, into power that would protest to be of God, but would not be. And the big distinction there was judgment. Do not follow judgment. Do not have judgment. Do not follow prejudice. And it was very strong. I mean, reiterated three times in the writing, do not follow prejudice. Do not follow prejudice. It will only hurt you. Uh, so again, I don't know who that will be. I don't know where that will be. It has not come yet though. And, uh, we really just need to make sure that we are aware that we are all connected and you cannot hurt another person. You cannot judge another person without hurting and judging yourself yeah. and the entire whole of our humanity. Yeah. You know, we really have to start to come together and understand our interconnectedness and support us with the resources that we do have and, and not uh, bifurcate all of this into the various fragmentations that we have done. But bifurcation is a very strong word because that kind of separation is what is, what feels at the, at the heart of the pain that's happening in the world right now. It's literally tearing us apart. And and it's exactly at the heart of the pain. Mm -hmm. When you look at the, and I had experienced that through this process, I tapped into some sort of kind of internal pain, internal hurt. Mm -hmm. And it was literally like we're tearing our own heart apart by not embracing and loving who we are Mm -hmm. and who others are. We are just... It, it is, it, this world is a huge heartache mm-hmm. and it's a heartbreak and we need to start to reconcile and begin to integrate back that part of us and that knowing, which is where this is all leading. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, the big awakening is going to be, wow, we are really all one and it will be completely conscious. And in that world, it, it will be an incredibly beautiful place. And uh, it probably won't be in my lifetime, but hopefully it'll be in my grandchildren's lifetime because it's a really beautiful, loving, in communion, one with source, one with each other place. And it will get here. Uh, How it gets here and how traumatic and how much suffering we have to go through to get there is uh, is something that we actually have some choice in, but it will it will eventually prevail. So tell me about that when you say we have some choice in that. I, I completely agree. Um, and I'm not willing to say it's going to be in my grandchildren's life. <laughs> I'd like it to be in mine. Uh, but what, say more about that choice, because I, I would love to hear how you uh, sense it. So that was the third night. And the third night when I was awoken, same experience, get up right. But before any messages came through, I was shown a vision. And it was a very clear kind of apocalyptic, it just millions and millions and millions of souls were just very rapidly lifting from the earth and, and something, and it, I couldn't tell what it was, just it was very clear there was just wailing and suffering and it was very uh, kind of a mass exiting of the earth, if you will. Um, and I was trembling. I mean, I I was experiencing all of the fear of it. I was literally like an animal trembling. And then right afterwards, the inaudible voice came in. I was calmed. I was, it felt a very serene, very calm sense. 
And it said, this is not necessary. Mm -hmm. This is not necessary. Change your individual consciousness by choice. Learn to love now. Uh, there's time to breed the healthy, the strong. There is time to avoid the apocalypse. Mm -hmm. And that put me at ease. And after that night, when I settled in, I, I recognized while, why this entire thing had happened, that the whole beginning to that point, that was it. And that it was finally over because it was, um, you know, again, the whole thing was very demanding on me physically, mentally, spiritually, my family. And at that night I recognized, okay, I have it. I have written it down. I've done, you know, I've, I've, I've gotten the information. Uh, but now it's important that we heed that information and that we do understand we each and every single one of us has individual responsibility to this, uh, to ourselves and to the greater humanity, mm -hmm. because we're all a cell in it. And we can be a free radical cancer cell, or we can be a very healthy, um, proactive, positive cell. And each, no matter what that cell does, whichever cell you wish to be, it's going to impact all the other cells around us. Mm -hmm. So the more we do the work, the more we grow, the more we all grow, the more we help the people around us that we, that we love grow. Uh, so it, it, you know, we're often looking outside for a cause. Your biggest cause is yourself. And if we can get ourselves purified to the point where we really understand the essence of who we are and how we can best serve. That's the best thing you can do for your families, for your communities, for yourself, for humanity. Yeah. And because we are, we are that hologram. Yes. So then if, if, if this cell that is me, not only yes. the individual cells within me, but if this cell that is me is willing to acknowledge and live from that place of love, yeah. Every time, every time I have a judgment, I have to, you know, I really have to have a little chat with myself. Right. Because right. I know it's like, I, I don't want to be that contributor to, to that violence, whether right. it's inner violence or outer violence. It is judgment is one of the ways that that um, contributes to that separation. Right. You exactly. are, you are other, you are different from me. Mm -hmm. Not that we are identical, mm -hmm. but in this in this realm of connection in this holographic universe right we can't separate out we really can't uh and this is expansion is happening whether we want it or not it, it just is so you can participate and be part of it mm -hmm. or you can resist against it and be part of the resistance and one of the i think the best things that we can do you talked about that you know every single day we have so many thoughts you know what is it 80,000 thoughts it's it's quite a bit mm -hmm. and every day we're making decisions some semi-conscious some conscious but when you're really coming up to the thought that you're having or the decision that you're making asking yourself just breaking into those habitual patterns and say does this diminish me or does it enlarge me lovely and when you think about even a judgment about somebody mm -hmm. or, uh, and you think, you know, how's this judgment making me feel? And oftentimes, you know, whether it's bitter or angry, that judgment is diminishes us. Mm -hmm. Yet if we think of that same person or scenario in a loving way, we don't need to connect to him. We don't need to be around it, but in a loving way, we can literally feel ourselves being enlarged by the fact that we have chosen uh, a more compassionate 
uh, pattern of thinking around it than a judgmental one. Yeah. So how does that all relate to um, what I what I feel like you are you are holding the torch for, which is people being willing to answer that inner call? Yeah. Yeah. We're all being called. It is how many of us are really tuned into it. The way we tune into it is by finding a way that we can turn our focus internal instead of external. Mm. As long as our uh, locus of control, if you will, is external to us, our behavior and thoughts are all based on what perception we want to have others have of us. Uh-huh. It's quite, if we think about it, that's sort of a controlling way to be in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If we shift internally and think about, okay, what do you think of yourself and where are the inner aspects of you that are benevolent and kind? Uh, Where's the guide in you? Where's the light in you? And where is it trying to lead you? What is it asking you to let go of? What is it asking you to love more of? Uh, how is it asking you to, you know, contribute and by contribute, we can't really contribute until we've done our own inner work or else we're in that same cycle of I'm giving to get something. Right. Right. And we have to move out of the, I'm giving to, even if it's, I'm, I'm donating $10,000 to this because I'm trying to get X. Uh, it's still that cycle. It is. It is. When, you know, when you know, you're, you're, you're giving because it's what you what feels good. It truly is. It feels well. I mean, one of the best experiences I had in the book is when I recognized that love was my own experience. It wasn't something I got from somebody else. Uh huh. And I could recognize. Wait, if I just love this person, I have love. Yeah. It's your. Uh, love. It's not. Yeah, it's, it's my love. It's not. It's not like you can't abandon me. It's mine. I have it. I just. I can love. I don't. You know. It's. It, 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 and that's kind of at the essence of it. We are all the things we're seeking. Mm-hmm. We just haven't connected to that as an internal source that we are giving the world versus trying to find that in the world. Mm, so beautifully said. Yeah. It, and, and the more that we come home. Yes. I think what you're really talking about <sighs> the more that we get to recognize who we are. And I, you, you had something, and I think it was something that, that had come through around the inner teacher and the outer teacher. And um, that, that when, when you start to see, when you are able to see your own reflection in your outer teacher, you know, you've come into that place of your, your inner teacher. And, and I had what is probably the most, the singular experience of my life and it's not something i think i've ever spoken about certainly on the air um of the first initiation that i received from my teacher mm. and we were sitting there in energy and and there was a whole transmission coming through and i looked into her eyes and i'm there and i'm just there in the energy and she said what are you seeing and i said your face has just changed into mine mm. Beautiful. The same thing is happening to me. Yeah, it's beautiful. And that spoke of a whole other connection between the two of us, but it also was what it was ultimately about for me was that recognition of that love. I am loved. Right. Not right. from her 
not from anything if it's external at all and it isn't really it's it's source it's presence right right you know we get that both in the people in our lives but we also get it when people have passed Mm -hmm. and it's it's really interesting when somebody loses a beloved parent or beloved mother or or sister and that's always that you can kind of watch and they almost turn into sainthood for that person. We forget about all of the things that they did that were really not that great. They just turn into this incredible, um, you know, kind of spiritual figure. Mm-hmm. And we have, if you really are willing to grieve, like grieve that deeply, whatever that loss is, and really hold on to what it is that you're grieving, what is that source that you're grieving, mm-hmm. there comes a point in time when once you're through towards the end of the grieving, what actually ends up ending it is you recognize that that's you, mm-hmm. that that incredibly beloved, compassionate mother that you lost mm-hmm. is inside of you and is alive in you and is part of you and is the spirit of you. And then you become whole with it and the separation and that pain ends. Yeah. But that's the natural progression of grief. It's just that so often we cut it short or we don't, you know, we don't want to feel that. So we do something else and we're just missing the whole point of it. Because all we can be is reflections of one another. So do you do you think, I mean, as you're saying that, I'm wondering if, because I, I know I can think of people personally who have gotten stuck in that, in that journey, in that process. And it's almost like, well, if I take that in and, and honor or acknowledge how that is me or part of me, I'm being disloyal to them. Mm. there's just something of that that I have seen play out, whether or not they give voice to it. I I think that that is true, that they feel that that's not, uh, that that they will then really lose them, which in in fact, it isn't really losing them. Mm -hmm. It is finding them inside of yourself. Mm -hmm. But what prevents it, I think more than anything else, is we see this incredible goodness and then we ourselves don't feel worthy enough to be that good. So it comes back to that self-doubt. It comes back to that core Mm -hmm. sense of inadequacy that we all have. I mean, in every culture, there is a story of us being cast out, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, cast out from being one with the gods. Well, it's what happens when you're born. You know, you're (laughs) in one place and you're expelled from the womb. And that's why we have a belly button. And we all have a belly button because we all have that wound of being expelled out. Right. And then depending on what happens to you in your life, certainly abuse, neglect, uh, the loss of a parent, that will make that belly button feel larger, feel more sensitive, more reactive and something we have to protect. So nobody touches that belly button Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it makes us feel small and disempowered uh, and inadequate. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that is the human wound. It's just we all carry it to different degrees and we're all acting out from it in different degrees. Mm -hmm. And that's really what you need to go back to because at the essence of that, I'm not good enough. You actually find that not only are you good enough, you were born not to be expelled, but you were born to grow and to give Mm. because of what is inherent goodness inside of all of us. So that inherent goodness, which 
again, we're all born into the inherent goodness, Mm -hmm. but uh, there is the psychic wound of being expelled from the greater God that we all carry inside of us as well. And then again, if we're pulled into the dark shadows, it just takes a long time to come out of that to then get the reflections of the different lights around us, the face of God in so many of us, mm-hmm. uh, be it nature, be it an animal, be it an, a good friend or a teacher, a lover. It's everywhere. Uh, it's not that it's not there because it's there in abundance. It's that our 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 sight is so filtered by what has happened to us psychologically and the interpretation of that. Mm-hmm. So really our job is to, is to clean up the filters because <laughs> the rest is all there. <laughs> it already exists. It exists and it's growing. It mm-hmm. exists and it's becoming brighter. Uh, it exists and it's everywhere. And um, it's a beautiful thing when you can see it, but we, again, our, our culture, we're not even socialized to see it. Uh, we are so- socialized I, uh, to a false reality. Mm-hmm. You know, look at this. This is real. Yeah. Look at your, you know, what we are trained to look externally at what beauty is supposed to look like, what intelligence is supposed to look like, what acceptance looks like. It, I, it also feels like we are trained because I used to be a psychotherapist mm-hmm. and my training was to look for what was wrong. And what was broken and what was disturbed in some way. And, and yet it, 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 as we, as we acknowledge the, our, not only our strengths, but really our, our potential, our, our light, our, mm-hmm. our gifts and our talents and all of that, there's a way that that impacts and has a direct impact on the darkness that we may have come from or come through. Right. Exactly. We have to reinforce those strengths in order to kind of make it through. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if not, we're just stuck in the shadows. You know, that's, mm-hmm. there's, that's what gets us stuck. Yeah. I think one of the reasons I was, you know, told to, to, well, I was told a couple of things, but one of the things that in the book that I was directed to do was to love this therapist, mm-hmm. just love her with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind, mm-hmm. because the things that we love when we return to the things that we love, or we, someone comes into our life to love, it's not hold on to them. It's not, you know, try to capture them. It's not to sexualize them. It's not to do any of that. Just love is love. It doesn't need any of that. Yeah. It's a pure form. And what it does is it helps bring up our strengths it helps love whether it's somebody else. You will eventually that love will let you see not only your own strengths but the love inside of you that it is you. You get enough energy going out, you finally recognize, oh, this is coming oh, from me. This is the mirror, <laughs> right? This is this is the mirror. This is the mirror. But it's really redirecting from that, taking it in externally to um, coming from this internal place where we have so many resources inside of us that we're not utilizing. So uh, it comes so down to receiving it. it, it I mean, it's already, yeah, it's already there. It's yes. It's but, acknowledging. But I, but, I think it comes down to accepting it. Okay. I, I, actually, that is what I mean by receiving. Yeah, like re- right, really like right. actively right. saying, oh, <laughs> this is. Right. right. One of my favorite, um, films of all times the wizard of oz Mm. and the reason why is if you think about it you know the whole wizard of oz story is in dorothy's mind she's knocked unconscious right 
And so she's inside her internal world. And just by taking the journey from the external to the internal, she kills off one witch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> House lands right on her. <laughs> and now she's only she's got this wonderful Glenda the Good Witch, who is her source or her direction. It's again her internal higher mind, her internal Christ light, however you want to call it. It's that internal light that's guiding her down this yellow brick road. And then of course she has, you know, the wicked witch, which she has to overcome. Uh, But everything that she does and everything she needs to get there is developed on the yellow brick road, which is life. That's our life. All of this is in our, our yellow brick road is crafted of our daily experiences. Mm -hmm. And in our daily experiences, we have fear And we have a guided source that's very benevolent and loving and trying to bring us home. And, uh, you know, it's the daily opportunities and the way we see them and the way, you know, certain things we see are just, okay, I need to release this, or I need to embrace this, or I need to, and and getting the relationship with yourself and these aspects of self, where you can start to be more discerning about how you're living your life, Mm -hmm. make it more mindful, make it more intentional, partner with it. Because when we partner with it, it's going to take us to that place of awakening, if you will. Mm-hmm. And that is the biggest thing we can do to contribute to this gentle path that I was shown and away from the trajectory we're currently on, which is, you know, not a path we want to take. Right, right. Ooh. So how, just as a way of bringing this back around, and, and I know our time is coming to an end, but how did this, how has all of this taken you into the work you're doing in, in your executive leadership work and world? Great question. And it wasn't, again, it wasn't anything I sought to be in my life. <laughs> uh, when I left the company, uh, a year later, we sold it. And several years after that, uh, I had done some writing. I had met a woman who was running a software company, very large software company. And she asked me to come in and work with her leaders. And I said, well, what do you want me to do? And she goes, I don't know, Dawn, figure it out. (laughs) So I thought, okay. So that was a challenge. And I was looking to get back into something. And that's how the executive coaching started. I ended up with a full practice within about six months because what happened was the first time I sat down and it was a, was a CTO, a chief technical officer was the first person. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, I heard his story and then I went out and got some feedback on, on the perceptions of him. And it was, it was the business acumen I already knew, but then to be able to sit across from somebody and I could see the strategies at work, I could see where he was protecting himself. I could see where he was using his strengths. I could see where he was sabotaging himself uh, and the impact he was having on others. So that being able to, I, did so much work on my own inner landscape that now I was able to, through somebody else's narrative to kind of get an idea of theirs, uh, help them to sort of not to sort of, but help them to navigate, to kind of release the things that were no longer working for them, release those, uh, barriers so that they could be best version of themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've been doing ever since I work a lot with high level executive women that still suffer from that. I'm not good enough wound. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we are navigating through that so they can be prepared for advancement because a lot of these women have either been promoted or are being prepared for promotion, mm-hmm. but you know, that imposter syndrome is still very real out there and it's all very much at the root of it. And it's holding us back. Uh, it's holding 
you know, women and diversity back quite a bit because mm-hmm. most of us have suffered more of that, that wound, if you will, from, for, uh, cultural and society reasons. So I really enjoy working with that population now because it doesn't have to be that way. We can go in and, and we know that our mind, uh, can start to create new patterns and remove the things that have diminished us mm-hmm. and embrace the things that will enlarge us. Yeah. And that's the calling for all of us right now. And exactly. And that's what I hear your, your kind of your culminating message, if you will, but also your essential message, which is that we are so much more than we think we are. And it's up to us to embrace that. That's you couldn't have uh, summarized it better than that. That's exactly right. We are so much more and there's so much goodness inside of us. And there's so much really authentic giving that we have, but it's not going to take from us. Mm-hmm. It is effortless when you find it. Yes. It is effortless when we embrace it and accept it and get out of those shadows that have been cast and created and that many of us get lost in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to find our way out of that. Yeah. And as each per- each of us do that, what we're doing is we're adding to the collective. We're adding to the whole. That's exactly right. And the more we add to the whole that, that, you know, it was clearly told to me, we have time for a gentle change. This does not have to be horrific. Mm-hmm. We have time for a gentle change that will lead to a very, very positive, loving uh, world for all of us. But we've got to embrace that we're in the change and not get caught up in the fear of it. Yes. And instead embrace where it's taking us and the, the past that will lead us there. Uh, the, the, the fear is just going to make it, you know, more difficult. Yeah. It stops us. It stops us. It stops us and it creates suffering. Yeah. Uh, yeah. it's not unlike any, those of us that have gone through labor, you know, we are expanding and you expand. And when you contract, it hurts, that labor pain hurts. Mm-hmm. And if you fear the labor pain and you, you fight it, then the contractions are more painful. Uh, when you breathe and you go through it and you work with it and you expand it, you know, we open up for that new life. And, uh, that's really what's happening right now. Mm. Thank you, Don Kohler. You, you, I love what you're doing in the world and it feels so important. Can no, you tell people how to reach you? Yes. I, uh, you can find me on my website, which is Don Kohler, D A W N K O H L E R.com. Uh, and uh, my book, the messages, a memoir is also out on Amazon. So you can go to Amazon, look for the messages or type in my name and you'll find it there. So that's how I can best be reached. Happy to hear from anybody. Send me an email and uh, thank you for the opportunity to come on your podcast and to share the story. I really appreciate it. You are so welcome. And I'm, I'm, I'm moved by what you're doing and I'm grateful that you're here. Mm. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. And thank you to our listeners, our viewers, for being with us today here at Wisdom Talk Radio. Join us here regularly for more wisdom, discovery, and illumination. And if you have liked us today, if you have listened and you've said, wow, this is meaningful, please leave us a review, share it, subscribe, because when you share it, when you, especially if you leave us a review, what you're doing is you're helping other people to find this same kind of, of illumination. And 
what you're doing is also spreading the transformation. So that's what we're doing. That's what we're about here. And for more about deepening your connection with your own inner guidance, take the quantum connection quiz today. Thanks for joining us here at Wisdom Talk Radio. We wish you well in your conscious explorations. For more information and to join in the conversation, our website is wisdomtalkradio.com or at Wisdom Talk Radio on Facebook. Facebook.